The following message is brought to you by the teaching and preaching ministry of the Ambassador Baptist Church and Pastor Joshua Ermler. Gospel of Mark chapter number seven. We are only two weeks away from our Easter services and we are praying and we are planning and we are preparing for just a wonderful, wonderful service. In fact, we're gonna have a 9.30 as well as an 11 and we'll give you some more information about some of that moving forward. But today we're gonna talk about this subject of people who belong in this place. Before we dive in, can I ask you a quick question? How many of you have ever found yourself in a situation where you felt like you didn't belong? Anybody ever been there before? You've, you found yourself in a situation and you felt like, man, I just, I just don't belong. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, after the service, I made my way into the lobby and I saw that there was a lady. She looked like maybe uh, she could have been homeless or at least struggling in that way to some degree. And I went over to her and I introduced myself and, and uh, we got to talking and she had said that she had been in the lobby for about an hour or so. And I said, oh, you should have come into the auditorium. We would have loved to have you as a part of our service. And, and she communicated to me. She said, oh, she said, she said I, I didn't know whether or not I belonged in there. And so she was just like, I just was sitting out in the lobby. And, and I began to think about that for a moment. And it reminded me of the fact that there are many, many people who oftentimes feel like they just don't belong. And it's a sad thing when people, even within our world, come to a church and don't even know whether or not the church is someplace they belong. The reality is this, whether you are elderly or you are young, what, uh, you find yourself in the generation that some might refer to as the greatest generation, or you are one of these that are referred to as millennials, whether you are uh, maybe uh, have some money or whether you're poor, regardless of where you find yourself in this world, the reality is this, we all long to belong. We all long to belong. Man, we are just having all kinds of good issues today, aren't we? All right. Now, here's the reality. We all have cravings. We have these desires to be accepted, to be validated, and to really belong. And that's the subject of what we're going to talk about here today. So if you're visiting with us, we're so glad to have you as our guest. Uh, if you take your Bibles and turn to the Gospel of Mark, chapter number 7, inside your service program, there's a little guide that you can use to follow along as we study through our Bible study this morning. I'm going to invite you to stand as we work through our text, the Gospel of Mark, chapter number number seven. We're going to begin reading in verse number 24, and we'll make our way down through verse number 30. Uh, the scriptures say in the gospel of Mark, chapter number seven and verse number 24, the Bible says, and from there Jesus arose and went into the borders of Tyre and Sidon and entered into a house and would have no man know it, but he could not be hid. So he was kind of trying to sneak into this house. He didn't want people to know he was there, but whenever Jesus comes on the scene, he just seems to make a scene. People know where he's at. Verse number 25, the Bible says, but a certain woman whose young daughter had an unclean spirit heard of him and came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Greek, a Syrophoenician by nation, and she sought him that he would cast forth the devil out of her daughter. But Jesus said unto her, and it's kind of interesting what he said. We'll talk a little bit more about this in a moment. He said, let the children first be filled, for it is not meat to take the children's bread and cast it unto the dogs. She answered and said unto him, yes, Lord, yet the dogs under the table eat of the children's crumbs. And Jesus said unto her, for this saying... 
go thy way. The devil has gone out of thy daughter. And when she was come to her house, she found the devil gone out and her daughter laid upon the bed. I want to speak on this subject this morning of they belong here. They belong here. Let's have a word of prayer and we'll dive into our Bible study. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so much that you came to this world to include the outcast, that you came for all of us, that there is nobody that you exclude from your love, from your compassion, and from your salvation. And I pray that we would be a church, that we would be a people, Lord, that allow your love, your mercy, and your compassion to flow through us, Lord, towards others. I pray that you'd bless your word as only you can. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen, and you may be seated. This morning, I want you to see three aspects to this woman's story that will remind you of how important it is that we include all types of people within the context of our church family. Let's just start with our Bible study in verse number 24, and I want you to see what the scripture says. It says in verse number 25, for there was a certain woman who's, notice this phrase, she had a young daughter and had an unclean spirit. And this woman heard of Jesus and came and fell at his feet to make a request. I want you to notice here in this passage, we see that there was this woman, she comes to Jesus. The Bible says she has a daughter, not just any daughter, she has a very young daughter. Now, for those of you who have children, I want you to just put yourself in her place. Here you have this young daughter, and the scriptures say that she has an unclean spirit. Uh, later on in the passage, it says she has a devil within her. She's literally possessed by a demon. She's possessed by a devil. She has an unclean spirit. Now, if we were to compare other passages that talk about individuals in the Bible who had these unclean spirits, who had these demons, we'll find some things about them that start to emerge. Number one, oftentimes you'll see where these people are hurting themselves. Uh, they're cutting themselves, uh, they're inflicting pain upon themselves. So when somebody has an unclean spirit, when there's this demon inside of them, oftentimes there's just a self-mutilation that'll begin to take place. In, in other passage, passages of the scripture, you find where these people who have an unclean spirit, they're destroying property and they're just kind of breaking things and destroying property around them. In fact, in one occasion, you'll find where somebody who was possessed of a devil, where they had an unclean spirit, you'll find where they were literally trying to commit suicide. They were trying to take their own life. And so put yourself in this mother's position here. Here you are, you just have a heart to love on your child, to be there for them. And yet here's this young daughter and she's hurting herself. She's breaking things. She's destroying property, maybe even trying to kill herself. And you can imagine as a parent what that would do to your heart. You could imagine how that would make you feel if, if this was your child. And so this woman is just incredibly broken over this situation. And it was a difficult trial that we, she, she was going through, which, which brings us to the first aspect of the story that we want to emphasize this morning, and that is this. Trials are hard. Trials are hard. And it doesn't matter what type of trial you're going through. It might be a trial like this woman is experiencing with her children. Uh, maybe it's a trial in your relationships. Maybe it's a trial in your finances. I don't know what type of trial, what type of difficulty, or what type of hardship you might find yourself going through. But the reality is, regardless of what you're going through, trials are hard. They're, they're difficult. And trials come in a lot of different shapes and sizes. How many of you remember when you were a kid the things that would get you upset? 
Now, as an adult, you look back and you think that I wish those were the only difficulties I had, you know? Um, this past week, uh, we had to get on uh, my youngest son for a little bit. Um, they, they've been really into video games, and they like video games. And one of the games that they've been playing a lot of is this game called Fortnite. And if you have kids, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, man, they get on this game, and they play it, and they're having a great time. Well, uh, we begin to notice that it's starting to have um, some ramifications on how well they're doing in school. And so we had to make the executive decision, uh, no more Fortnite in our home for a while. And so we pulled that out. I'm telling you what, you would have thought we declared World War III. I mean, it was like, it was like, I was like, wow, I was not expecting this reaction here today. It was just unbelievable. I mean, I was thinking to myself, what in the world? I mean, our youngest son, he really, he was, he was in, he was in great turmoil over that decision, and it was just wrecking him, and, and up to this point in his life, uh, it's probably the, the most difficult trial that he's ever been through, and I remember he's just crying and having a tough time with it. Finally, he got through it, and uh, for the last week, he's, he's doing all right. He, I, I'm, I'm, I'm glad to report that, that he survived it. He, it didn't kill him. Uh, he's not dead, and he continues to, uh, to breathe and to, to survive, and uh, he, he, for a while, he didn't know if that was going to happen, but it did, and so we were glad, to, glad for that. But I'm reminded in Psalms chapter number 30, verse 5, where it says, weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. You know, all of us go through difficulties, and what was hard for us when we were eight or nine years old is different than what's hard for us when we find ourselves at 30, 40, and 50 years old. But the reality is, regardless of how old you are, regardless of your socioeconomic background, regardless of your ethnic background, the reality is this. When you're going through a hardship, when you're going through a trial, it's difficult and it's painful. But based on Psalms 30 verse 5, we, we learn two things. We learn two things about trials. First of all, we see that trials come in, in seasons. The Bible says weeping may endure for a night. It endures for a little time. It endures for a season. Trials come in seasons. And I want to encourage you with this this morning. If you're going through a trial, there's, there is a hope that that trial eventually will come to an end. It, 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 it's not there forever. And whether we're talking about a financial trial or we're talking about a relational trial or we're talking about a spiritual trial, trials come in seasons. Weeping may endure for a night. There's a season, there's a time in which those trials come, but no trial ever lasts forever. Now maybe you're here and you're like, well, Pastor, I've been going through this trial my entire life. I can't think of a time where I wasn't experiencing this health issue, where I wasn't experiencing this relational, it's my, my entire life. And, and if that's you, and, and if that's where you find yourself today, can I, can I just encourage you with this bit of hope? That even if you find yourself in a trial that lasts your entire life, for the entire time where your heart is beating, and your lungs are breathing, you find yourself in a very specific trial, I want to remind you of a hope that you have, and that hope is heaven. There is coming a day where God will make all things right, where he'll bring justice to every wrong that has ever been committed, where he will wipe away every tear from your eye, and even if the trial that you find yourself in lasts for your entire existence, can I remind you that it's just a blip on the radar of eternity. You see, trials 
do come just in seasons. And sometimes those seasons are a day, and sometimes those seasons are a month, and sometimes those seasons are a year. But everything just comes in seasons. But we also see from this verse that trials come for reasons. Do you realize that God has a purpose for every trial that you go through? In this passage with this young woman who talks about her daughter who's possessed of an unclean spirit, we're going to see where even in this, God had a reason, God had a plan, and God had a purpose in this. And I want to say to you today, if you're going through a difficulty in your marriage, maybe you're going through a difficulty financially and, and possibly going through a difficulty in your health, whether you realize it or not, whether I realize it or not, there is always a reason, there is always a purpose to every trial we go through. Why? Two reasons. Why? Because trials come in seasons and trials come for reasons. Your trial, it's not purposeless and praise the Lord, it's not permanent. It's not permanent. One time I was going through a difficult season in my life and I called one of my counselors, one of my mentors, it was a pastor. I was telling him a little bit about what was going on and after I was done talking, he made this statement to me. He said, in the end, Josh, it's going to be all right. In the end, it's going to be all right. And if it, if it ain't the end, if it ain't all right, he said, if it ain't all right, it ain't the end. There's some truth to that. If it ain't all right, it ain't the end. You see, here in this passage, we find and we're reminded that even the God of the universe recognizes that trials are hard. They're difficult. They're painful. We live in a broken world with flawed individuals, and there's no way getting around trials being difficult and painful and hard. But that's not the only thing we see in this passage. Uh, let's keep reading. The Bible says in verse number 26 that this woman was a Greek, a Syrophoenician by nation. And so we see here that she was not a Jew. So the idea, what it's saying here when it says that she was a Greek, she was literally a Gentile. She was a non-Jew. Now, as you study the scriptures, you find that first and primarily, Jesus came first for his people. He came for the Jews. This woman was not a Jew. She was a Gentile. She was a Greek. She was a Syrophoenician. In fact, um, there's another passage in the Bible that tells this exact same story. This one is told in Mark chapter number 7, but the disciple Matthew also tells this story as well. And in Matthew chapter number 15, Matthew actually tells us uh, that this woman was a Canaanite. This is a specific type of Gentile. And that reality, the fact that she was a Canaanite, tells us two things about who this woman was. The first thing it tells us about her is that she was from a region of the world known for their vile religious practices. Um, if you study the history of the Canaanites, in their worship to their gods, they would allow themselves to be involved in all kinds of heinous, horrible, evil, pagan rituals in their worship to their gods. Uh, it involved all kinds of uh, sensuality. It involved types of bestiality. There were all kinds of sin that was committed, all in the name of worshiping their god. And so the first thing we know about this woman is she was from a region of the world known for their incredibly vile uh, religious practices. At times, they would even practice uh, uh, child sacrifices. And so we see there's just this horrible, horrible kind of background to who they are. And so the Jewish people, they looked at these Canaanites as just being the worst of the worst. And so the Jews wanted literally nothing to do with these Canaanites. 
They despised them. They looked down on them for this reason. But not only did, do we see that they were from a region of the world known for these practices, but secondly, she was a descendant of a cursed people. In fact, in Deuteronomy chapter number 7, the Bible says that God cursed these Canaanite individuals. And so she's from a portion of the world where they're participating in these vile religious practices, but they're also, she's also find herself as part of this doomed race. And so as we enter into this text, we find that this woman already has two strikes against her. And here she comes, a a social outcast of sorts. I mean, she's coming to Jesus. Jesus is a Jew. These Jews would often refer to these Gentiles, these Canaanites, as dogs. It was like, almost like this racial slur that they would throw out at these types of people because of their background, because of the fact that they had been doomed and cursed, and there was just all kinds of animosity that they had. And so as this woman comes to Jesus, who is a Jew, you could only imagine that in that moment just how she would have felt. She would have felt very ashamed. She might have felt a little unworthy. She would have felt lonely in that context and in that situation, and yet still she comes, which brings us to our next thought from this passage, and that is this. Not only are hard, but I want you to see secondly that loneliness hurts. She would have felt very alone in this context. She would have felt, felt very just kind of distant in this context. And, and, and the reality is this, there, there might even be some in here, and even though you find yourself in, among a group of people, there's still a sense of loneliness that you have. See, loneliness has nothing to do with being around people or not being around people. Loneliness has a lot more to do with feeling like somebody understands you, that somebody gets you. And even if you're in a group of people, if you're in that group and you don't feel like anybody cares and you don't feel like anybody understands, even in crowds, you'll feel lonely. And I can only imagine this woman, she felt incredibly hurt over the trial she was going through. She felt incredibly lonely because of just who she was in this context and in this time. And trials are very hard. There's no doubt about it, but I'll say this. Trials are even harder when you're going through them all by yourself. Trials are harder when you feel like you're moving through that difficulty and and nobody cares. And nobody understands. And nobody empathizes with you. And that's what this woman is experiencing. In Ecclesiastes chapter number 4 and verse number 10, the Bible says, If someone falls, the one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him that is alone when he falleth, for he hath not another to help him up. The context of this is two are better than one. Why? Because when you're going through a trial, yes, at least when you're going through a hard time and you stumble and you fall, at least there's somebody to help you up. And it says, woe to them. Oh, we feel bad for those who are going through hard times, who are going through struggles, and who have nobody there with them. You ever been there before? You ever been going through a difficulty? You ever been going through a hardship and just felt like there was nobody there for you? There was nobody that understood what you were going through? There was nobody that cared what you were going through? I want to remind you today that there are a lot of people in Fresno and this is how they feel. They're going through situations. They're going through health situations. They're going through just mental struggles. They're going through financial problems, health problems. And many, many, many times they feel like nobody cares, nobody understands, and it doesn't matter. And my prayer is that 
that people in this community would find a church that helps them know that there are people who care. There are people who love them. There are people who want to come around and support them. You see, to our church family, I'd simply want to remind you of this truth. I'll throw it up on the screens. But lovingly including those around us has nothing to do with their behavior. This is how the world thinks. The world says, I'll include you if you behave. The world says, we'll accept you if you, you know, dot your I's and cross your T's. The world says, hey, we'll love you if you do what you're supposed to do. But you see, lovingly including those around us has nothing to do with their behavior, but rather lovingly including those around us has everything to do with our relationship to God. You say, how does that even make, I don't even understand that. You see, when you come to a place in your life where you really understand and you really recognize that you did not deserve God's love, you do not deserve his mercy, you do not deserve his grace, you do not deserve his acceptance. And when you understand that in and of yourself, you don't deserve it, but yet in that state, God lavishes you with mercy, he lavishes you with grace, he lavishes you with unconditional love. Once you are experiencing that and enjoying that, then you will then eventually overflow with that compassion and love to those around you, to where you are lovingly including those who maybe feel like they don't deserve it. See, lovingly including those around you has nothing to do with their behavior. It has everything to do with your relationship to God. So we see trials are hard. Number two, we see loneliness hurts. But, but let's keep reading. Notice what it says in verse number 27. The Bible, end of verse 26, says, This woman was a Greek, a Syrophoenician by nation, besought him that she would cast out the devil out of her daughter. But Jesus said unto her, and, and, and this statement from Jesus is one of the most interesting statements you'll ever hear Jesus say. It's, it's actually a little bit confusing. Jesus said unto her, let the children first be filled. He's talking about the children of Israel, the nation of Israel. He says, for it is not meat to take the children's bread, that which I've, Jesus is saying, I've come for, the, I've come for my chosen people. So it's not meat that I would take the bread, take that which I'm supposed to nourish them with, the promises, the grace that I'm supposed to give to get them, and cast it unto the dogs. Now remember, the Gentiles is what the Jews would refer to uh, as dogs. So when a Jew was walking down the road, if they saw one of these Gentiles, if they saw one of these Canaanites, they would they'd just throw a racial slur at them. They would say, you dog. They, just had, they, just, it was, they were just mean and at first glance, we can stand here and be like scratching our head like, what in the world is Jesus even referring to? What's he saying here? Now, typically, when the, Can when the Jews would use this word in the original language, they would use the word kiwau. Okay, that was, that's the word they would throw out. And, and this word kiwau, it's a word for dog that literally means mangy canine. I want you to get a picture of like this homeless dog that's not been kept that's not been fed running around the streets just trying to scavenge for food this is this is what when when a jew would see one of these canaanites they would say that dog that mangy canine jesus even used that word on one or two occasions but not in this passage here's what's really interesting in this passage the greek word that's used is carinarian it's a word that means little puppy or or household pet. 
it's almost as if Jesus is saying this, and he's using the cultural background to communicate what he's communicating, because he's with all these other people. And you can almost imagine, as he says what he says, imagine him saying it with a little smirk on his face and a sparkle in his eye. And he says here, it's not meat to take the children's bread and cast it to the puppies, the little household pets. And here's what she says. This is great. Verse 28. And she answered and said unto him, yes, Lord. Get this. I I get it. I I get it. You came first for your chosen people. Yes, Lord. (laughs) But get this. Yet. Yet even the little puppies, little household pets under the table eat of the children's crumbs. And there's this beautiful sense that Jesus and her are having, and she recognizes, I'm unworthy. Because of where I come from, I'm unworthy. Because of maybe even who I am, I'm unworthy. But she gets a glimpse into who Jesus really is. And she says to him, you know what, Jesus, I don't need the full feast I don't need every promise that you make available to everybody. I don't need the full banquet. She's basically saying here, just some crumbs from you is enough for me. And there's something about this statement that begins to resonate in the heart of Jesus because she's literally declaring to Jesus, hey, I don't need the best of what you have to offer crumbs from your table are better than a feast at the world's table and she sits there and notice what jesus says next the bible goes on to say in verse 28 uh, verse 29 and then jesus said unto her for this saying because of that because of your faith because of your belief that even a little from me is more than satisfactory A little from me is more than you need to be content. He goes on to say, and he says here, verse 28, and he says, For this saying, go thy way. The devil is gone out of thy daughter. Verse 30. And when she was come to her house, she found the devil gone out, and her daughter laid upon the bed. Jesus responds to this woman's faith with a promise. He responds to it with grace. You see, he responds with love, which brings us here to our final thought this morning, and that is this. Not only do we see that trials are hard, not only do we see that loneliness hurts, but I want to remind you here, lastly, that Jesus heals. Jesus heals. Sometimes we'll use the statement, time heals all wounds, and yet the reality is this. While time can sometimes uh, nullify the pain of wounds, The only thing that can really heal wounds is the person of Jesus Christ. Psalms 147 verse 3 declares this. He says, He healeth the broken in heart and bindeth up their wounds. See, here Jesus brought help and Jesus brought healing to this woman in our passage by including her in something, including her in His grace. Society at that time said, no, Jesus, your grace is reserved for the children of Israel. And yet Jesus, because he loved her, he included her in that promise. He included her in that grace, and she was able to enjoy it. You see, Jesus says in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. It says Jesus saying, hey, you're included. It says Jesus looks at the outcast and says, you're welcome. 
It's as Jesus says to those outsiders, hey, you can come just the way you are. And that's the heart of Jesus. He says, come unto me, you that labor and are heavy laden. I will give you rest. C.H. Spurgeon, the prince of preachers, said this. He said, these two things are true. There's never been a moment where you didn't need grace. And there's never been a moment when lavish grace wasn't available for you. Oh, that God would allow us to experience the grace that he makes available to us. If you get nothing else out of this message, I hope you'll get this this morning. That is this. Here's our takeaway. Include the outcast. Include the outcast. As we move into this Easter season, I want us to start thinking about who it is that the Lord would want us to include during this time. And we might look at them and we might say, they're an outcast. They don't belong. They're not part of us. But as we see in this passage, that was not the heart of Jesus. Jesus was constantly going out of his way to include those that society said didn't belong, that didn't belong. Can I ask you, what, what, what would keep you from including those that you would struggle to believe belong? As we move into this Easter season, the next couple of weeks, we're initiating a quick campaign, a two-week campaign that I want to encourage our church to be a part of. I want to encourage you to be a part of this. And there's three specific aspects to this campaign that I want you to think about. The first thing I want us to think about when it comes to our Easter campaign is, number one, I want you to pray for guests to come and for people to place their faith in Jesus. Would you just pray with me? Would you pray that people would be drawn to this place And that people would not just be drawn to a church, but they would be drawn to the person of Jesus Christ. Pray, pray that guests would come and place their faith in Christ. Here, number two, and because I'm a pastor and I like to be cute, I'm going to start all these with P's, all right? We're going to give you three P's just so you can remember them. Pray, number two, I want you to pass out some tickets to the Easter premiere. Pass out some tickets to the Easter premiere. Uh, On your way out in the lobby, there is a table. There's a person working at the table, and they have these Easter premiere tickets with the time. In fact, we put the uh, map on the back with some information. I want you to grab a stack of these, and just over the next couple of weeks, wherever you're at, I want you to pass out these Easter premiere tickets. Uh, Our church leadership has been working really hard over the last few months to prepare a service that we believe will be really helpful to our community. Uh, Hunter and the worship team have been doing a lot of work to prepare the music for that day. Uh, The guys on the media team and in video have been putting together presentations to share that will be really engaging and really captivating and something that I think will really help people understand what the gospel is truly all about. Uh, We're going to have gifts for all of our guests that day. And so what we want you to do is we want you to take these uh, tickets and wherever you're at, just pass them out. If you're at the grocery store, you know, in line, give it to the cashier. If you're driving through a drive-thru at a uh, fast food place, man, give it to the person who gave you their food. Put, give them out at Starbucks. Give them to your coworkers. Give them to your friends, your neighbors. Uh, we've got plenty of these. And I want, I want to just encourage you to pass out uh, these tickets to our Easter premiere. So we're going to pray that people come to faith in Christ. Two, we're going to pass out tickets. Number three, I want to encourage you to participate 
in our social media campaign, all right? So uh, maybe you've started to see over the last few days that we're uh, putting a lot of ads all over the internet, and you're going to see more and more of these start coming up on Facebook, on Instagram, Google, different places, and I want to encourage you to participate in this. If you have a Facebook, if you're ever online, here's what I'd like you to do. If you ever see one of these ads come up, and we have a lot of different ones going out right now, a lot of different ways, but if you see one, I want to encourage you to comment on it. You say, why? Uh, just comment something like, ah, I'm praying for this. You see, when you comment on an ad from the church, what happens is Google's like, or Facebook is like, oh, people are interested in this, and so they start sending it out to more people. So I want to encourage you to comment on it. That'll help get the word out a little bit more. Number two, share the posts. So there's a little button down there. You can push share, push a little message like, man, I'm so excited about this, uh, this uh, uh, service coming up on Easter. I'm going to be a part. I want you to be a part too. And then share it with other people and look for opportunities to share it. The more it gets shared, uh, the more people will find out about it. And lastly, in the comments, some of you might even want to tag a friend. And maybe you have a coworker or maybe you have a neighbor and uh, you're on your Facebook friends. Just put their name in the comments and tag them in the comments. And this will help many, many people all over Fresno find out more about our Easter campaign. Now, you say, well, I don't have Facebook and I'm never online. Well, that's why we have the tickets for you, all right? So if you can't, if you're not online, don't worry about it. You use the tickets and the invitation. But for those of you who are, we want to see you get involved. And I'll say this. If you invite one of your friends, your neighbors, your, um, you know, somebody that's close to you, I promise you this, we will give them the VIP treatment. We won't embarrass them. We won't point them out. We won't make them feel weird. Uh, the pro reality is we'll have a gift for them. We'll have refreshments available. Uh, when they come, I'll, after they're gone, I'll even send them a letter and thank them so much for coming and I'll put a gift in the mail for them and uh, answer any questions they have. And, and so you can feel comfortable inviting your friends and family uh, to be a part of this service. I know they'll enjoy it. I know it'll be something that'll be meaningful to them. And hopefully through that, many people will get another opportunity to hear about the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's our prayer and that's our hope. And I want to ask you uh, to participate with us in this campaign. You say, why? Here's why. Because everybody longs to belong. Just like this woman that we read about in this passage, she had a heart to feel like, man, there was a place for her at the table with Jesus. The reality is everybody longs to be a part of what God is doing. And I want to encourage you to give people those opportunities so they can begin to experience the grace that only Jesus makes available. So I hope you'll pray with me about that. Uh, we're looking forward to seeing what the Lord will do. Let's have a word of prayer and ask the Lord to bless our Easter services as well as our service today. Shall we pray? Thank you for listening to this message brought to you by the teaching and preaching ministry of the Ambassador Baptist Church. If this message was a blessing to you, please consider leaving us a review or sharing the message on social media. Thanks once again for tuning in.